Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Throughout her life, Ada Deer balanced a thoughtful commitment to serve the public with a determined drive to advocate for her tribe and all Native people. She's remembered for securing federal recognition for the Menominee Nation, as well as the landmark decision to individually recognize 226 Alaska Native villages. In addition to being a political trailblazer, she was an effective educator. We will remember Ada Deer through some of the people who knew her and her legacy well, coming up after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Challenges are faced by schools everywhere, but each district is unique. As the school year starts, South Dakota State Tribal Relations Board got an update on the state's reservation schools. South Dakota Public Broadcasting's C.J. Keene has more. The State Tribal Relations Committee is tasked with continuously studying the relationship between South Dakota's government and tribal entities. Sherry Johnson is the education director of the Sisseton Wapaton Oyate. She says tribal education efforts are forced to contend with deep, complicated history. We've had several religion-based and government boarding schools in operation over the years to formally educate the children of the Oyate since the relocation of our tribal members to the Lake Traverse Reservation. Now, pair that with a challenge faced by just about every school district in the state, teacher shortages. Our schools all are advertising, they're doing recruitment, retention, uh, bonuses. Our tribal schools cannot compete with some salaries on an equal playing level, but they do the best they can. We too are experiencing that teacher shortage. A committee was proposed for tribal and state-run schools to help close the ever-widening teacher shortage. No actions were taken on that proposal. Along with that are the realities of education in rural settings. Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe Education Director Sherry Farley says don't forget about reservation infrastructure needs. Where I'm from, we have traveled roads and our school buses have to travel every day. Sometimes the roads are so bad we have to cancel. Further, Farley says additional dollars for operational maintenance is needed to make a difference for school buildings in tribal settings. I'm C.J. Keene in Rapid City. It's known at the Alaska State Fair as the Gathering Place, created to showcase the talents of Alaska Native singers, dancers, and artists from across the state. It's also where Bessie Meyer demonstrates how to fillet salmon. As KMBA's Rhonda McBride discovered, this Anupiak elder has become something of a celebrity in her own right. Boy, looking at the salmon so red, I could just taste how good it tastes. Bessie Meyer has cut fish at the state fair for nine years and sure makes it look easy. And these bones you pull up to here. Bessie credits her ulu, which her father fashioned for her out of a saw blade in the 1940s. In fact, it was her dad who convinced her mom to let her learn to cut fish at the age of five. 66 years later, she's still at it. Sometimes I almost feel like I could close my eyes and cut if I had to. When Bessie cuts fish, she gets into a zone, and those who gather around her seem almost mesmerized by her smooth and swift movements. She says some of the same people show up year after year to watch again. I like to help people learn something that's different and makes me happy. <laughs> 
Bessie is also happy that her fish cutting demonstration now helps to promote her daughter and son-in-law's seafood grill at the entrance of the gathering place. When the fillets Bessie cuts up go on the grill, her daughter Buffy says it helps customers appreciate the freshness and the beauty of the fish. It is more than an advertisement. It's kind of like welcome into the culture. And you can get a little taste of that culture from dancing on the main stage to fresh salmon on the grill. From the Alaska State Fair in Palmer, I'm Rhonda McBride. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Do you have feedback, stories, or ideas that you want to share? Now through September 4th, visit online at kowanek.org survey to share feedback and be part of defining our future. That's K-O-A-H-N-I-C dot org forward slash survey. Support by AARP. AARP creates and connects people to unique tools and programs, helps conserve personal resources, and tackles issues that matter most to individuals, families, and communities. More at aarp.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. Ada Deer was a distinguished advocate for Native rights and tribal sovereignty. Deer was the first woman to serve as Assistant Secretary of Indian Affairs and the first woman to chair the Menominee Tribe in Wisconsin. She was instrumental in restoring federal recognition for the Menominee Tribe and paved the way for recognizing 226 Alaska villages. She led Indian country in a post-termination era. Deer was also an educator. She was the director of the American Indian Studies program at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and taught classes at the University's School of Social Work. Ada Deer died earlier this month at the age of 88. Today on our show, we'll talk with those who knew her personally and can share insights about her storied career. We also want to hear from you. Join this conversation with comments or questions about the late Ada Deer by calling in at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE, and our phone lines are open. Our producers are standing by. We're waiting for your call. Let's go ahead and meet our guests now. Joining us first from Chicago, Illinois, is Gwen Carr. She's the executive director of the Carlisle Indian School Project, and she is a citizen of the Cayuga Nation. Gwen, welcome to Native America Calling. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you, Gwen. Joining us from Akiak, Alaska, is Chief Mike Williams. He is the former tribal chief of the Akiak Native community. He is Yupik. Chief Williams, welcome back to Native America Calling. It's good to be here in the honor of Ada Deer. Thanks. It's good to have you as well, for sure. And joining us from North Carolina is Joe Deer. He is a retired Coast Guard captain an Iraq War veteran, he's a commercial pilot, and he is Ada Deer's nephew. He's also a member of the Menominee Tribe. Joe, welcome to our show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. 
Let's go ahead and start our conversation. And Gwen, I'd like to begin with you and, and just acknowledge that Ada Deer lived a very long, dedicated life in service to Native people and our Native communities. But Gwen, what do you remember most about her personally? Um, <laughs> what I remember most about her personally is that she was always uh, engaged in my life and the life of my kids. She, um, it was funny because when I heard Joe say Aunt Ada, that's what my youngest son Mikey called her was Aunt Ada because she was, you know, um, um, she was part of our family and she was, you know, such an amazingly kind and um, sweet natured uh, person. I, I, I always said that she was the most sophisticated innocent I'd ever met in my life because she always, always led with the belief that people are good, always. And that, that kind of energy really uh, um, was, was what she carried with her her entire life. Um, my, well, she, my, it sounds like she was uh, you know, a, a consummate optimist and, and as a leader, this belief that, that people are always good. And she had so many major accomplishments. First assistant secretary of Indian Affairs to, to be a female, first chairwoman of the Menominee tribe. And, and out of all these roles that she played, Gwen, I mean, where do you think her voice was just most particularly effective? Well, you skipped a big one. She was responsible for the restoration of her tribe, and that uh, uh, led her on a path of advocacy for Indian people, regardless of their tribe, regardless of their in, in federally recognized or not. That was the thing that truly um, made history. I don't know of a lot of other tribes that um, – uh, once they were terminated, were uh, restored. And her relentless pursuit of justice and her belief in goodness convinced, you know, people in Congress and the Senate and all over, you know, uh, Wisconsin and all over the place that this was the, the right thing to do. And she was not going to stop uh, uh, um, advocating for that ever and so, so that is as far as her accomplishment. First of all, living in a, in a in a cabin with no running water, and then a dad that would turn the oil lights down because he didn't believe that girls needed to read, and um, you know all sorts of things that she overcame uh, as a, as a kid, and really reinforced her, you know, true belief in the power of education and the power of of self determination literally personally um her her strength uh, uh was phenomenal and so you know she brought that kind of love and power and passion to everything that she did whether it was you know uh, um some of the other uh groups that she was involved with um, that were uh, – some of them were Native and some of them were non-Native. A lot of them were academic and things that she'd been, uh, um, been doing, like something called the encampment, which was a, a basically a retreat for, uh, um, for young people to um, – and 
uh, older people to in, in various different uh, um, areas of life to come and share what, uh, uh, what they knew and come and learn new things. And the encampment was started by Eleanor Roosevelt, who Ada met. And, I mean, her, her, her life is really the story of Indian country through a very tumultuous time, and actually more than one tumultuous time in Indian country. And her ability to take the stories of the people that she loved and turn them into Indian positive policy was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I loved her, and I will love her forever. But, you know, when you talk about who she was, those things that she developed in, in, as a kid, the determination and nothing's going to stop me kind of thing, was through her entire life. Right, right. Gwen, I'm going to share a story. The very first time I ever heard the name Ada Deer, and I think you'll appreciate this because there used to be a book many years ago. It was titled Indians of Today, and it was published in the early 1970s. And it was just a collection of different um, biographies, short biographies of influential Native American people from that era, from the 60s and early 70s. And we had a copy of it when I was a kid at my house. And every once in a while, I would thumb through the pages, thumb through the pages. And Ada Deer had one of the biographies in there. And at the time, she was very young. And I just remember seeing her bio in her picture. And she was beautiful. She had long black hair. And, and her name, Ada Deer, it just struck with me. But what really was interesting as well is there weren't a lot of Native women in that book. It was mostly Native men at the time who were profiled. And here she was, um, you know, this influential Native person, even as a very young person. And what motivated her to take up roles in politics and advocacy at a time when there weren't a lot of Native women doing this kind of stuff? Um, Because she came from a a mother that told her that she could do anything she put her mind to. I mean, really, her mom was a a, a particularly... um, powerful influence on Ada. And um, I I think that Ada was, she was, you know, an enlightened soul in a lot of ways. She looked around her community. She looked at, you know, first at her own situation and around the community and realized that people needed help. That's why she became a social worker, because she realized that people needed help. And, um, and she realized that she had the capacity to, uh, uh, want to be able to help people in as many ways as possible. And yes, one of the things that's that's a, a you know personally, I think there's a, a at one point there's been a triumph a triumvirate of women: Wilma Mankiller, Madonna Harris, and Ada Deer. And mm-hmm. all of them did things that no other uh, Native woman has done. Um, I mean, Ada was actually. A, tribal chief before Wilma, but, you know, that's, that's not the point. The point is, is that they shared that relentless determination to make a difference. Um, and we would have lots of conversations about that stuff because that's, that's very much the, the way that I am as well. And so, um, you know, she just said, you know, you know, I, I saw this, whatever it was, I saw this thing that wasn't right. And uh, and she just kind of moved in on it and said, "Well, this is this is now what we're going to do about this." And every, and nobody was going to say no to her, you know, because she was <laughs> tall with long black hair and 
and uh, uh, a very determined space. There's a famous picture for watching the Secretary of the Interior signing the uh, um, uh, the restoration papers for the Menominee. And I and I told her, I, I laugh, I tease her, I say, Ada, if you ever looked at anybody like that, they would sign anything you want <laughs> because she's standing at the end of the table, and her expression is just thousand percent focused on this man signing this piece of paper um and and that was so that was so ada um that you know once she got an idea in her head you know (laughs) forget about you know forget about changing it that wasn't going to happen and and then she went about the way of figuring out the uh, uh the way to make the impossible possible and that's one of the reasons i loved her we're going to talk a lot more about Ada Deer, but we do have to take a short break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more with Gwen Carr. We're going to talk with Mike Williams up in Alaska. And we're going to talk with Ada's nephew, Joe Deer, as well. And uh, we're going to learn more about uh, some of Ada Deer's accomplishments. And we're also going to learn about some of her setbacks as well. We're going to have a balanced discussion uh, celebrating today the legacy of Ada Deer on Native America Calling. She passed away recently at the age of 88. So perhaps you knew Ada Deer yourself or you're familiar with her role throughout Indian Country. If so, and you have a memory to share, we would sure love to hear it today on Native America Calling. Just give us a call right now, 1-800-996-2848. 1-800-996-2848 to share a memory of Ada Deer. We'll be right back. For Labor Day, we revisit one of our favorite author interviews of the year. Angeline Bully returns to Sugar Island and the Firekeeper family in her new novel, Warrior Girl Unearthed. It's the follow-up to her best-selling debut novel, Firekeeper's Daughter. We'll hear about following the generations of her characters and their culture on the next Native America Calling. Support for this program provided by Vision Maker Media, who envisions a world changed and healed by understanding Native stories and the public conversations they generate. Nurturing the next generation of storytellers with courage, generosity, creativity, respect, and commitment. 45-plus years of Native stories and Indigenous knowledge through film and media can be found at visionmakermedia.org, whose slogan is, Together We Are Vision Makers. Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about the late Ada Deer and her lasting legacy that all Native Americans benefit from. Do you have a comment or question about her life or policy work? Join us by calling 1-800-996-2848. You can also leave a post on our website at NativeAmericaCalling.com or just on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Give us a shout out. We've got another guest I want to introduce now. Joining us from Washington, D.C. is Brian Newland. He is the U.S. Assistant Secretary of the Interior for Indian Affairs, and he's a citizen of the Bay Mills Indian Community. Assistant Secretary Newland, great to have you on the show, and welcome back to NAC. You betcha. Thanks, Sean. I'm excited to be here, and, and I appreciate you making time to have me on. 
Well, we appreciate you making time as well, Assistant Secretary. And uh, there's a bit of, of, of serendipity here. Ada Deer was the first woman to hold the position that you now hold. And, and how important was that at the time? We heard earlier from Gwen Carr talk about what a leader she was. But uh, here she was in that role. What do you think of that now after all these years, the first woman in that position? Well, I, I see Ada's uh, photo in our conference room. Uh, every time I go in for a meeting, and and uh, you know, it's a it's a stark contrast to most of the other photos of previous assistant secretaries up there because of her, um, you know, pathbreaking uh, time of service as the first woman, um, and uh, she just she she wasn't content to just be the first woman assistant secretary. She came in and and she was bold and courageous and. Um, you know, really brought a an on the ground perspective from her tribal community up there at Menominee um, that uh, was needed in government and, and frankly is still needed. And what's her legacy there at the Department of Interior, Assistant Secretary? I mean, beyond what we see on, on paper and in policy, how did Ada Deer change uh, Department of Interior for Native Americans? Well, uh, first of all, I, I think we can't really overstate uh, her boldness. Um, you know, the uh, recognition of more than 200 federally recognized tribes in Alaska um, in in one fell swoop was a, a bold and, and courageous action and, um, you know, really um, set a marker down for all those who follow to you know, really do the right thing for Indian country and meet our trust obligation. But also, uh, she really helped to make sure that people who serve in this role as assistant secretary um, are are doing it in a way that uh, is mindful of the experience of not only uh, tribal leadership, but also the people who live on the ground in tribal communities, you know, because that's where she came from. That's where her heart was. Um, that's her experience fighting for the restoration of uh, the Menominee tribe. And, um, you know, that's something that I think uh, stuck after she left that role. Assistant Secretary Newland, uh, your position, it's a tough job, right? You, you, you certainly take a lot of heat at times. You take some criticism and then sometimes you can you can do amazing work, but you might not necessarily get the credit. But when you look back at, at Ada Deer, how much motivation, how much inspiration do you draw from her? And what have you learned just from, from what you've seen in terms of how she handled that position and how you make decisions here in 2023? Well, one of the uh, the first things uh, that I think about uh, when I come to work and and you know think about when I think about Ada Deer and her experience here is that um, she was a tribal leader first and had that perspective and and that's my background before I did this job I served as a tribal chair at my own community and um, you know that's a perspective that a lot of people who've served as assistant secretary haven't had before. I think there have only been three of us to do this job who had previously served as elected tribal leaders. And so I try to draw upon that. And as I said earlier, you know, her uh, mindfulness of how uh, the BIA and, and the Department of the Interior affect uh, Indian people on the ground in tribal communities is something that I try to emulate as well. Mm -hmm. Well, 
do you have any personal thoughts that you'd like to share about Ada Deer or just uh, anything that maybe we haven't read about already in, in articles and books? Because uh, again, we really want to focus on not only Ada Deer's professional accomplishments today, but also what she was like as a person. Well, I didn't have the um, the good fortune of knowing uh, Ada Deer really well as a person. Um, I've I was able to meet her a number of times at different points throughout my career, uh, but she was always kind, um, and you could tell that she was tough, but tough in a good way um, as well. And so, I, you know, one of the things again for for me, not just as my role as a federal official, but just as uh, somebody who's dedicated my own life and career to serving Indian country and Indian people, is she's really a model for. Uh, perseverance um, and and moral clarity and, and cutting through all of that to do the right thing and to fight for the right thing over a long period of time, uh, whether it's restoration or um, you know a number of the things that uh, she did throughout her career, uh, she played the long game and and that's something that to me is really a, a at the core of Native values is these generational struggles. In these generational fights, and and she really showed how to do that, but to do it with a a, a class and a, a and a toughness um, and a kindness um, that we should all you know try to emulate. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go ahead and listen now to Ada Deer herself. This is her speaking at the United Nations in her role as Assistant Secretary of Interior. She gives a compelling summary of her own journey as it relates to her tribe's survival and the pivotal moment in her own life to work against the federal government's policy of termination. You should know and understand that I'm a member of the Menominee Indian Tribe of Wisconsin. The tribe still resides on our ancestral lands, which are critical to lending an understanding of who we are as indigenous people. I was born on the Menominee Indian Reservation, a land of dense, beautiful forests, a winding wild river and streams and lakes that nourish the land, the animals, and the people. I am an extension of this environment that has fostered my growth and enriched my vision. An appreciation and reverence for the land is fundamental to being Indian. Personally, you should know that 40 years ago, my tribe, the Menominee, was terminated. 20 years ago, we were restored. And today, I stand before you as a true survivor of Indian policy. As indigenous people, we know that internal and external policies have tremendous implications upon our lives. We must strive to set policy rather than be victimized by it. And I'd like to emphasize this. We must strive to set policy rather than to be victimized by it. Allow me to give you one such example, for it was one of the most compelling times in my life. It involved the termination and restoration of my tribe. I'm proud to say that my tribe has lived for thousands of years, at least 5,000 years on the lands in Wisconsin. I was born on the Menominee Reservation. My tribe's land was held by a state chartered tribal corporation, 
The Termination Act stripped us of our treaty guaranteed exemption from taxation, and our tribal leaders were forced to begin to sell off ancestral land to pay state taxes. This was during the termination period. A terrible period. By the 1960s, my people were in despair. Poverty had sunk to new depths, and we faced the loss of our land, tribal identity, and culture. My own personal choice was clear, and I'd like to emphasize this. We all have personal choices in our communities, in our families, in our tribes. Personal choices. My choice, I had to leave law school, return to the reservation, and create a coalition of tribal leaders to reverse termination. The 1950s and 1960s were a low period for Indian people in the U.S. If we were not terminated, then we were often relocated to urban areas in an effort to assimilate us into mainstream culture. During this period, the Menominee collectively discovered the kind of determination that human beings find in times of impending destruction. Against all odds, we, we invented a new policy, restoration. Now again, I would like to emphasize this. We, the Menominees, invented a new policy, restoration. This is the possibility, this is the challenge that indigenous peoples in the hemisphere and across the world can exert and accept. You don't have to accept the policies, you can work to change them. That was Ada Deer speaking at the United Nations Cry of the Earth Conference in 1993. And Assistant Secretary Newland, listening to that speech and here, that was 30 years ago. And, and yet some of the, the points that she made setting policy rather than being controlled or dictated by policy, this whole idea of, of the term restoration as opposed to recognition and some of these impacts of, of termination. I mean, it's almost like this could be taken, a speech like that would be just as powerful today, I feel in many ways, as it was 30 years ago. And that term restoration, are you folks still using that uh, at Department of Interior today? Yeah, we when we talk about tribes that were um, like Menominee, that were restored to federal recognition, we use that. But I think, it, you know, we we also talk about revitalization and going beyond restoration and, and working in partnership to revitalize uh, the inherent strength of uh, tribes and the inherent ability of tribal people to um, control our own destiny. And um, it is a, a speech that clip you just played. Um, it was very powerful to, to listen to it just now because so much of it is still relevant. And she spoke about the connection between um, being Indian, being indigenous and, and our homelands. And that's something that um, I know most uh, native people feel uh, in our bones. Uh, and it's something that, that must guide us in our work today, um, whether we're serving um, as community activists and, and organizers and leaders or in tribal government or here in the federal government, we have to remember those things that make us indigenous um, and to bring those values to the work that we do on, on behalf of Indian people. And so her, her comments are absolutely uh, relevant and, and just as moving 30 years on as they were when she gave them to the UN. 
They certainly are. And Assistant Secretary Newland, I want to thank you again for taking the time to join us today and sharing thoughts on the late Ada Deer. Thank you, Assistant Secretary. Miigwech. Thank you so much. Let's bring Mike Williams into our conversation now. And he is up in Akiak, Alaska, and uh, he is Yupik. And uh, Mike, listening to Ada Deer talk 30 years ago and using the term restoration as opposed to recognition, and uh, while she was assistant secretary, she gave restoration to 226 Alaska Native villages. And what, if, what was the effect of that restoration uh, on, on your village and the other ones there in Alaska, more than 200? Oh, uh, good morning. Um, thank you for including uh, me in this uh, uh, program honoring uh, Ada Deer, my friend, my teacher, and uh, and I have um, uh, been serving uh, in my tribal council for um, almost fifty years, and um, and t- during that time, um, I've gotten to know uh, Ada and uh, her um, uh, restoration uh, efforts uh, uh, motivated us uh, here um, during the 70s. And, um, and we um, were able to uh, engage our elders here and uh, looking at um, um, her accomplishments at Manani, um, we um, uh, invited her uh, to come to our Yupit Nation uh, conference here uh, on uh, telling her story of how uh, Menominee's uh, restored um, their termination. And uh, she um, personally told that story to us uh, in our conference here. And uh, we also invited uh, uh, Clarence Alexander from Fort Yukon to come, and um, she, he came. And uh, we had uh, frank discussions uh, about uh, our, cur- our current situation here in Alaska, um, uh, especially after the um, uh, Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act was passed in 1971. Um, of course, I was um, in a boarding school at Chamawa Indian School, and uh, and graduated in 1972. Um, uh, at that time, uh, you know, we read uh, and engaged um, the movement of um, the Northwest um, Indian tribes with Billy Frank and also Ada in uh, Menominee uh, on their efforts to uh, be restored. Um, but in that time, uh, there was. Um, uh, a movement um, in um, in strengthening um, uh, the um, Indian uh, communities, and um, uh, one of the notable uh, uh, things that happened in Chamoa was uh, that Russell Means and Dennis Banks came uh, to talk to us, um, and of course um, um, they. Um, uh, talked about um, uh, the um, uh, uh, the uh, indigenous uh, um, people's uh, land and um, and our um, way of life, and um, uh, of course uh, it was uh, really um, uh, they were uh, pre- deemed controversial at the time, but um, 
I've uh, gotten to know Ada over the year, uh, over the long years, um, um, and um, her uh, time as uh, Assistant Secretary of Interior. Um, uh, she issued uh, the list um, of 226 um, federally recognized tribes um, in the uh, early 90s, and then um, uh, there's a total of 229 federally recognized tribes in Alaska. Um, and that was um, uh, the biggest um, accomplishment. Um, and and my time with uh, Native American Rights Fund, uh, serving on that board for six years, Ada was uh, one of the um, uh, former board members that uh, continued to uh, help um, uh, the um, Native American Rights Fund with John Echo Hawk and uh, Charles Wilkinson and um, um, okay. all of uh, those uh, final Mike, orders, so. We're going to have to take a short break, but uh, we'll be right back to talk more about the Lady Ada Deer. Did you know that bare space is best when it comes to your baby's sleep? That's right. When you keep their crib free from toys, pillows, blankets, and other loose objects, you can drastically reduce the risk of suffocation. All your little one needs is to be placed on their back atop a tightly fitted sheet to ensure a safer night's rest. More infant sleep safety information at cpsc.gov. Support by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We still have time to join this conversation about Ada Deer, so please call in with your questions or comments at 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848 to share your comments on the air. And we have Mike Williams on the line now in Akiak, Alaska. And Mike, before break, you were telling us uh, how significant that was to gain that restoration for 226 uh, Alaska Native villages. And I want to ask you, I mean, how hard was that? What what all was needed to, to secure that restoration? And uh, what was it like in the villages before that time, before that restoration was achieved? And, and how big an impact did that make now going forward? Well, uh, we have been living um, uh, in our lands for uh, over 10,000 years. You know, that's a long time where uh, we uh, lived here. We managed our fish and wildlife. We managed our educational systems. We managed our uh, court systems in our communities. And uh, it's a long, good history. We were very healthy here in the Yupit um, nation. And... Um, and it um, it uh, really uh, uh, you know with uh, all of the um, uh, events that took place with uh, the Russians coming over with um, with the uh, federal government and uh, gold miners coming and then oil um, then um, uh, people came and um, and um, we started to uh, see rapid changes in our communities so. Um, so the elders uh, of the Yupit Nation um, uh, uh, looked at uh, the Menominee uh, restoration and especially Ada Deer's uh, message and um, her involvement. And, um, and her story um, is um, uh, built in uh, within our uh, hearts now um, from that time uh, she spent time with us and um, 
in the last uh, 10 years, um, uh, uh, her monthly calls and, uh, uh, and, and our conversations about um, her story and what we can do here in Alaska is something that um, is still uh, within my heart and soul to, um, uh, to uh, restore um, our way of life, our languages, our lands, our hunting and fishing rights, and et cetera. So it just uh, really uh, motivated uh, me to serve um, on um, um, uh, the uh, capacity as a tribal council leader. And um, it has empowered our community um, from uh, becoming dependent over the years from uh, that and then the self-determination era 1975, and then um, uh, to uh, become uh, self-sufficient once again, to become healthy again in our communities, to make sure that uh, we provide uh, these needed services at the local level, uh, be it uh, the land, the issues, the um, uh, the court systems, the um, uh, social services, the mental health health services and all of those other services at the local level and um, and that um, um, that recognition um, um, gave us um, the tools to um, to um, uh, move in that direction of restoring our way of life in each community and it's still ongoing you know we have highest rates of suicide we have highest rates of domestic violence and we have mm. highest uh, rates of cancer deaths so so we have a lot of work to do and ada and i uh, discussed a lot of these issues over the long years that she's been uh, with us and um and uh, uh, her words and her concern for communities uh, is going to be in my heart and i really appreciate her gift to me um, as an individual person to do as much as I can for my community to make sure that um, we um, um, uh, have that restoration and how we uh, took care of our uh, people here historically and our and honoring our ancestors and et cetera. But um, um, her... Um, I was very impressed by um, her involvement with the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And uh, she always mentioned okay. that. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I really appreciate her uh, commitment to us and to um, all of Indian country in this nation. Again, for joining us today and sharing those memories and uh, just can't understate the significance of that gaining restoration for more than 200 Alaska native villages, just a, a monumental accomplishment that she shared with other folks, of course, who, who contributed to that effort. Mike Williams, who joins us from Akiak, Alaska. And at this point, let's go ahead and pivot now to Joe Deere, a, a veteran and uh, a commercial pilot who, of course, is Ada Deere's nephew. And Joe, I want to thank you again for joining us. And uh, tell us more about your aunt. What did you love most about her? Yeah, th thanks for having me again, Sean. Um, and I really was, I took a few notes here while I was listening to uh, 
uh, Chief Williams and uh, Gwen Carr and, and uh, Assistant Secretary uh, Newland there. And uh, it's interesting what kind of has come to mind for me. I've written down a few things here is Ada, as her family member, I'm almost 60 years old. And I, I say that I love my Aunt Ada, but she loved me first. She held me when I was a baby, and I'm, I'm six foot four, 250 pounds, and my kids just can't believe that anybody ever held their dad. But <laughs> she came over in her 80s, and we would sort of joke around. She's like, oh, yeah, he was just about this big at one point. And I, I think they, they thought it was science fiction. But um, anyways, the same uh, – well, kind of the analogy that comes to mind, the same strong wind that she put into uh, the sails of many tribes, individual people – she had a, uh, a prison initiative in her 80s that she was working hard on, and every time I talked to her, she she never ever stopped working. In, but the same uh, sort of uh, strong wind she put into the sails of others, she did with her family as well. Um, I wrote down a few words when when I think of Aunt Data over the course of 60 years, and I have to say that I just spent a month up there. For those on the line, I was there with her while she was in hospice the end of times um, for the past year. And Ada and I are just, you know, she's like my second mom. And I think I'm like the son that she never had. We talked, if not every day, every other day. And I was there when uh, uh, she passed recently in hospice, not the, the minute that she passed, but I was there with her every day while, while she was there. And um, even until the very end, her mind was sharp. Her words were, sh was, were sharp. Uh, my wife and I jokingly say you have to bring bring a thesaurus along when you when you listen to Ada's conversations. I remember some <laughs> of her words like uh, punctilious, cogitate. Um, I'm like, okay, I don't. I'm gonna have to cogitate on that when I figured it out. We looked it up later, but um, <laughs> she she always believed uh, very strongly in education, hard work, and grit. A lot of times we would, I would hear her say to people after they'd had some conversations or she'd given a speech or they listened to their speech or maybe they both gave one. And then she would turn around in a very quiet time and, and talk to the smaller group of people. And she said, okay, all this is great. Now, what are you going to do? And then she would give them some tools to start making, making changes, gave them some tools to uh, uh, progress toward their goals. Uh, and she was, every time she came into a family house... Uh, I want to go back to, to Gwen now. Unfortunately, we, we did lose Joe Deere. And, and Gwen, it's just uh, so fascinating to hear Joe Deere, Ada's nephew, talk about uh, what she was like as a person. And, and we, I, I do want to also ask a question because, you know, Ada did have some challenges. She had some setbacks. Uh, she ran for Congress and lost that bid, and she also lost a bid for state office. And how did those losses affect her, Gwen? And, and what did she learn from those experiences? Well, I think that basically, like everything else that Ada has done that we've heard about uh, over the, the course of your show, which has been wonderful, for, uh, for me, anyway, that listened to all the different people and how she's affected all these different people. Um, but, you know, what she has done is basically put her inherent love of people, and especially Native people. She, she led with that. And so, you know, when she is, you know, when she was talking, when she was uh, uh, working, and yes, it's true. She always had a project going on, something or other that she was doing. Um, it was, and the prison project, by the way, was the only single 
uh, thing that passed in the state legislature the entire session, hers. Nobody else got a dime that Ada got her money for her prison project <laughs> because she's Ada. Now, I don't uh, um, – people still remember her um, very well as, um, as the candidate Ada Deer. And um, mm-hmm. she would go to the Democratic conventions, and I would go to the Democratic conventions because we were both, you know, Democrats, Native women, held high positions, and we were friends. Um, but we would go to these uh, um, uh, uh, state conventions or the opening of the Native American, uh, uh, um, uh, the Native American thing at the uh, um, Steel Museum that opened this a year ago, I guess it is, and. You know, she was in a wheelchair and not really able to, you know, walk around like she used to. But I watched people flock to her, you know. <laughs> I mean, literally. And I always teased her that, um, you know, she would go through these things where these people would come up and stop her and shake her hand and can I touch you type of thing. I mean, really, she was really the, the, uh, uh, um, a giant in, in, uh, uh, in the minds of Indian country and the people that she touched. I would always lean down and say, remember, you're famous. And she just hated that. I'm like, hey, but, you know, but it's true. Uh, she's right. famous. And, and um, so, you know, she, 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 but she brought, you know, her, for instance, I was listening to the, the, the chairman from Alaska and all of what he talked about was what Ada experienced on the Menominee Reservation that she made real in mm-hmm. as assistant secretary. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know of any other assistant secretary or secretary um, who uh, 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 recognized over 200 tribes in one fell swoop, period. Right, right. The, Gwen, I'm going to go ahead and I, 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 okay. I want to pivot back to Joe because we're, we're running low on time. Oh, yeah. and, and Joe, what do you remember about your aunt's congressional bid? Well, I can. Uh, I was a, a younger guy at the time, and I remember specifically the sign: uh, "Nothing runs like a deer," and um, <laughs> that definitely, you know, caught everybody's attention. And actually, uh, truth be told, she got a little call from a certain company that I won't say on on air, but um, they kind of said, "Hey, you can't use that." And I, I think she, in her typical way, said, "Well, we're using it," and. Uh, and she did, and and she just kind of, you know, kind of got her way. But I was, uh, so that was, it. And, and yeah, and she was everything that um, I have seen with my aunt. And again, I was, I was saying earlier, and I apologize, we got cut off there. Um, even to the very end of days, she was tough, but she would always say, but you have to do it. She would always talk about each person, whatever their particular discipline was, you know, be great at it, do well, go ahead and do it, you know, and take care of each other, take care of yourself and just go do it. And I was there um, probably six months before her 88th birthday party and she'd had some health issues. And she said, Joe, my wife's name is Amy. We were there a lot helping her out. Um, I am determined to make it to my 88th birthday party. It was this big thing. Governor Tony Evers was there August 7th is now Ada Deer Day in Wisconsin. There were judges and chiefs and congressmen and senators and all kinds of VIPs. 
but it was it was a warm event. I brought Ada from hospice over to the event for 88th birthday party, um, and she was her body was shutting down, but her mind and her words were excellent, and she was able to be there for three hours. And like Gwen was saying, people it was like a paparazzi. I was kind of like her guard, like hey, she is, you know, needs a little bit of space. They just went around me to talk to her. And in fact, after about three hours, I thought, well, I don't know if she has the strength to speak. She went up there and she gave a brilliant 15 minute speech at the end of this, all encouraging people, telling them that what they did was important. So even, and then she ended up passing a week after her 88th birthday party, but even to the very end, she was concerned about others. She was others focused. She was never focused on herself. But um, mm. I, I wrote down a couple of things that I think you might find of interest, Sean, that people may or may not know about her. Um, when she was 13 years old, having never driven in her life, her mother was getting ready to give birth to sister Connie. And Ada had watched her mother drive, but she'd never uh, driven a car before. It wasn't of age. And the birth happened quickly. And her mother said, Ada, you have to get me to the hospital in what they called the, the jalopy. And Ada got in, and she drove at age 13, her mother, to the hospital, having never driven before, and, and made it. So she she just saw something that needed doing even at that young age. And whatever her DNA was, she would just do it. And that carried from, you know, a very young age into, you know, when she finally passed away at 88 years old. Um, when mentioned earlier that uh, her mother was a very strong influence on her, I agree. Um, Ada has told me numerous times that her mother, Constance Deer, told her when she was young, Ada, you were put on the planet for a purpose. Your purpose is to help your people. And that was something that her mother uh, said to her numerous times over the years. And I'm sure that that shaped Ada into the uh, dynamo and the uh, icon that she became. Um, okay. Mike, uh, Joe, I am so sorry, but we're, we're out of time. We're going to have to wrap this up. But you know what? We need to bring you folks back, and we need to do a part two of this show because there's just too much to talk about uh, with regard to celebrating the legacy of Ada Deer. And, and that metaphor it is the perfect metaphor for this show and, of course, for the late Ada Deer. Nothing runs like a deer. So Joe Deer, uh, nephew, Chief Mike Williams, Assistant Secretary Brian Newland, and, of course, Gwen Carr, we appreciate all of you for joining us here today on Native America Calling to celebrate the legacy of the late Ada Deer. And uh, we're going to have to wrap up the show now, but I want to give props to all of our staff and all of our support who make Native America Calling possible here five days a week, a live show. Appreciate all of uh, our crew that makes this happen. And at this point, uh, we're going to have to wrap it up, folks. So have a safe weekend. Do you want to start, manage, or grow your small business? The U.S. Small Business Administration can help. The SBA, first and foremost, has truly made me a better entrepreneur. It's empowered me with the skills of understanding how to really run my business better, more efficiently, how to market and grow my company. It was probably the best thing I did for my business. For your small business needs, go to sba.gov start. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. I'm Michael, and I used to smoke. I never used to think about breathing. Then my left lung collapsed, and I was diagnosed with COPD. Now I think about breathing all the time. 
I'm on an oxygen machine so I can breathe. I take medicine so I can breathe. My tip is, enjoy the breaths you don't have to think about. You don't know how long you'll have them. Smoking can cause COPD. You can quit. For free help, visit cdc.gov slash quit now. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.